0: Today on Locked On Red Wings, Detroit snaps their six-game losing streak and beats Jeff Blashill in his homecoming with the Tampa Bay Lightning 7-4 in what was just an offensive explosion for the Detroit Red Wings. So stay tuned, Locked On Red Wings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings Podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio Podcast. Well, Scotty's the host of Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Um, Before we get into the episode, though, Scotty, I don't know if the people who are watching us on YouTube, and for those who are listening, I'll describe it to you, but you may notice a little bit something different in the background of my shot right now. And there's a hockey stick in my background that is a game-used Dominic Kubalik hockey stick. And if you stay tuned until the end of the episode... I'll tell you what that stick's all about, so stick around. Um, But, yeah, Scotty, what what was that? What were you going to say? That's what we call a teaser in the biz. (laughs) Oh, baby. Uh, Red Wings won 7-4 to over the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight in what was an unreal performance by the Red Wings, something we haven't seen out of them in a long time. And, honestly, you know, I, I was there, and one thing I learned very quickly, Scotty, is it's very hard to watch the game analytically when you're there in person. Like I've
1: always, always, always maintained that. I, I I say that all the time, uh, when when I talk about like Tigers games that I attend too. Like I, I will literally rewatch games that I like attend on TV before doing episodes, breaking them down because it is so different. And it is so much more difficult yeah. to to analyze a game and like really break it down when I guess maybe it'd be easier if you were like, like I was high up. I wasn't. I was yeah. But the, I'm talking like 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 TV press cameras. Yeah. like High up. You know what I mean? Like I, I think like then it would be like easy. But um, from like the bowl, I, I feel like that would be pretty difficult. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's all just like the the field of vision and everything. And the angle yeah, you're right. at is different. Hard. But. You know, I even made a point to put my phone away. I didn't tweet at all about the game uh, during the game, a little bit during the intermissions, but just because I wanted to watch the game and I wanted to be able to enjoy the game too and not be distracted by Twitter constantly. Although it's funny is I was constantly checking because I get I have the push notifications and I promise we'll talk about the game at some point. But I have my, I, my push notifications turned on for the Red Wings and I'm so used to getting tweets about goals before they happen. So that every time my phone vibrated, I was like, "Did the Red Wings score?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm here in person." <laughs> like it is my my yeah. my buddy uh, Troy. We were together. He's like, "Brian, it doesn't get more live than this." So like, <laughs> you're not gonna get a tweet before they score unless it's scripted, which we've had that right. conversation. So, <sighs> hey, Obi didn't uh, score, man. Didn't, That's all I gotta score. say. <laughs> but yeah, it was a it was a great game, and honestly, in the first, they, the Tampa Bay Lightning scored on a beautiful shot what yeah. uh, a minute and a half into the game. And I was like, here we go. It's going to be one of these, but then they went down early on a five on three uh, and they killed it off. And from there, the Red Wings gained momentum. I think at one point they were outshot 11 to nothing and they finished the period shots were 15 to three in favor of Tampa. They dominated at the end of that first period, Scotty, they had a 78% share of the expected goals for percentage in the first period at even strength. And their course, was a little bit lower because um, that's just pure shot attempts raw. It's not uh then it's not weighted, but it was a fifty-two percent share. So they started the period without a shot for like the first eleven shots of the Tampa Bay Lightning's, and they finished it was like almost dominating like eight
1: or nine minutes. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was crazy.
1: Yeah, it, it was. It was. I was in the same boat. I think everybody was. I think we were all like, "Oh, brother! Like here we go again." Mm. Kind of a thing, you know. A- after. The first goal, like you said, absolute beauty, by the way. Like, beautiful, beautiful shot. But, uh, yeah, man. Like, I, I think that just the turnaround in that period was wildly impressive. And then, obviously, carrying that over into the rest of the entire game was unbelievably impressive. And I, I just – i I'm so – I was so happy to watch this game. This was so enjoyable and so fun. And, and there was so much in – this game that we've been talking about during this losing streak about like oh they need to be better at this and and they need to you know play sixty and and this and that and they just did like everything like this was this was such a well played hockey game by this team and it really did start with once they killed the five on three man it was like a, a a switch was flipped I almost said a flip was switched <laughs> a switch was flipped and. Like this team, it was like a completely different team pre and post five on three penalty kill there in the first period.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the second period was sway. I thought it was Tampa Bay played pretty well in the second, but the third was back. The Wings playing very aggressive hockey. But I think the biggest thing in this game, Scotty, was just the amount of scoring that was done. And it's something very refreshing. Obviously, two of those were empty net goals. But it's something we haven't seen out of the Detroit Red Wings in, in quite a both while. we over? We both took the over. Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure like, I have to yeah, go back right. and listen. I know you did. I, don't, I can't remember on myself, but I'll no, just I think say I did. Said,
1: I think we both did. I think you're we right.
0: I'll just say I did just in case, you know. Yeah, I don't right. get, we I definitely don't, get don't have there. evidence of you <laughs> did. <laughs> Not if I delete the episode off the internet. Right. <laughs> I can do that. I have that power. Um, But it the offensive explosion that was had, and, and Brian Elliott didn't have a great game for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He th- sure. There was probably – at least two goals and one for sure, but at least two that he he really wanted back in this game. But you know, the Red Wings were swarming in the offensive zone. They still weren't great at breaking across the blue line, but they played aggressive on the forecheck down be- beneath the goal line. So when they did dump and chase, they did win a lot of those battles and created opportunities and set up in the, the offensive zone. And then defensively, they weren't scrambling and collapsing down in front of their net nearly as much. I saw quite a few good defensive plays from Wallman, Olimata, who had a goal Um, cider made a couple great plays. So it was, I thought the team as a whole played really hard hockey against uh, Jeff Blashell and his homecoming, not to say that that was the reason why it might've been part of the reason why, but it was, it was just a a beautiful game to watch the Red Wings played. I thought their best hockey. And like you said, complete hockey game in a long time. I mean, if not the first, not a whole 60 minutes, at least a, 50 minutes of that game since the 10 minute mark of the first eight, when they killed off that penalty kill it was it it was on and they played so well
1: they really did and i was at a point again like where where i was just you know as the game went on i was like when is it gonna come like when is the Mm -hmm. fall off gonna happen like when is this gonna catch up with us are they gonna get tired are they gonna get gassed and they just didn't and they really really pressed the entire game uh, i i thought that this was a really really solid defensive effort by the forward group specifically you know we, we talk about how the defensemen aren't all like 100 percent responsible for bad defense right and I, I i think that the forward group had a really solid defensive game i don't know if it was a game plan thing or, or what but uh, they, they were aggressive like they were the first time we played Tampa you know we, we talked about it the first two periods there was such an aggressive forecheck and then you know in the third period it just whether it was stamina or what just kind of like slipped away and in this game it didn't and they just yeah. had like a solid forecheck for two and a half periods really outside of the first again like you know eight nine ten minutes in the first period besides that they, they, they were really solid but aggressively solid defensively as a as a forward group and that was i i think honestly maybe my biggest takeaway from this game
0: so like i want to talk about the forward lines in segment two but before we before we get into that i do just want to say overall that like one of the things that's crazy to me given how much success the red wings had today is how much they rolled the lines you look at the the time on the ice breakdown and even strength for each line and there was a there when larkin left the game hurt for a little bit um one of the lines got mixed up but Dylan Larkin, the line of Michael Raspius and Dylan Larkin and David Perron played 8 minutes together. Sunquist, Suter and Kubalik played 752. Raymond Copp, and Ernie played 801. And then your fourth line of Veleno, Soderblom and Bergen played 655. So there is a minute and 5 seconds of ice time separation between your fourth and your first line. That is not a lot and that's basically unheard of on most NHL teams. Now some Um, antagonists would say that that just proves the lack of talent that the Red Wings have is that their top lines weren't getting that much minutes, but like rolling your lines like that, you just beat one of the most talented teams in the NHL by three goals, like, and outplayed them pretty heavily for a lot of the game. It, it's just I'm not trying to – they just came off a six-game losing streak, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, they're going to make the playoffs after all. I know better than that. (laughs) But I'm going to sit here and enjoy the win and look at the numbers that back up what we saw at the eye test and go, wow, they played a really damn good game against a really damn good hockey team. Absolutely. Uh, When we come back, we'll continue this conversation, get into the the offensive lines, because I thought the offensive lines, especially that top line and probably that second line as well, deserve some kudos. Got to talk about goal scores as well in this game. Fourth line? All of them. All of them deserve a little bit of kudos in this game. Uh, But first, got to talk to you guys today about Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball, and maybe the NFL playoffs. If you're a Lions fan, you're just not barely on the outside looking in. Born pride, baby. I'm going to start bringing Kool-Aid to these recordings. Uh, They've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Segment two Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are breaking down the victory. It feels nice saying the win over the Tampa Bay lightning seven to four, your second win over division rival, one that's right, right above you in the standings, but also just one that normally beats you up. I mean, you look back at last year and they just routinely would beat the crap out of the Red Wings. And this year they've put up a good fight against them. So it's just really nice to see. Um, Let's talk it's about
1: just even period. That's just one of the premier teams in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, yes, Reece obviously Strait, the history Final and like the lack of success before, uh, you know, this season is definitely something to point to. And it's definitely a, a great thing to see, you know, that, that turnaround that probably comes with development, but just in general, just taking it to one of the best teams in the league period when, you know, history aside is awesome.
0: Okay. So Scotty, I'm going to say a combination of words. All right? We're going to play a little game here. I'm going to play a combination of words. and so then, that's
1: usually called a sentence. We call that in the business.
0: Did you learn that in journalism school? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a combination of words here. And you're going to tell me the first word that comes out of your mind in reaction to that combination of words. Got it. Are you ready? Yep. Michael Rasmussen, first line center. Not crazy.
1: <laughs> okay, no, Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Like Larkin is, is one C. Like, let's, you know, let's call it. Yes, calm yes, down. yes, but, yes.
0: We're just joking around.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. But this game was what well, let's just talk about the first line. Like that was a let's just talk about all the lines, man. Like, what a game. Like for real, what a game that was. And and like you said right before break there, like it, it really was a a a crazy like the the last six games in the losing streak and even leading up before that with all the injuries and stuff, we've been playing like revolving door with a lot of these lines. So often it's, and and this game was, what was it? Larkin Rasmussen Perron was top line. And at the beginning of the game, Rasmussen was, was mostly in the wing and whatnot. But then as the game went along, it, not that Larkin wasn't still center most of the time, but they would run sets or like they would have certain zone entries where Larkin would be more of like the wing and Rasmussen was the big body in the middle and it worked. And that would they got a ton of production out of that lower. Did they both have three points? Did Rasmussen have a goal and two assists and Larkin had, had two goals? Though? Like
0: he had two goals and one assist. Cause remember you got that empty netter at the end.
1: Oh, right, right. Yeah. So like just a, 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 insane production from this line that I'm not sure going into the season like when we were doing our, our like preseason you know breakdown and like analysis and oh what's going to happen this year and what the lines are going to look like I don't think anybody had on their bingo card in October that Larkin and Rasmussen would be sharing top line duties together at some point this year and oh by the way it would work beautifully against one of the best teams in the nhl and and so yeah like uh, again like you know that was very much a joke larkin's obviously the one c on the team but uh it it was it's just it's really cool to see rasmussen just take these strides forward and, and really start to utilize his size and his intangibles more and more and um, you know even sliding over to the wing for part of this game
0: like he's he looked good really there effective
1: too. and yeah that, that, the more versatility the better as we like to say
0: yeah I mean obviously I don't think on a on a true contender he's a number one center I, I think probably not on even no, on this team he's obviously not number one center but he's shown that he is a lot more than what people thought he was and that's why I mean Michael Rasmussen is like the perfect example of being patient with a player's development. I mean, he was drafted what 2017 he's in his fourth or fifth full year as an NHL red wing as as a red wing. And this is finally the year where he figures it out. He's gone on stretches where it's looked like there's potential, but this entire season so far, he's looked good and, you know, partially due to injury, but he has climbed the roster in terms of where he's playing, and he hasn't looked oh, over his head at any single point. In fact, and during the six-game losing streak, he's been one of the few players that's actually looked consistently at least decent in games. When they were his, down bad, he looked like the only player who was out there who knew what he was doing. His
1: role has improved, like or grown, I guess I should say, like tenfold since the season started. Yeah. And like that's not to say, like we we. At the end of last season, we talked about how he was taking strides and you know what we we could expect maybe more steps forward taken this year, but he has had a a, a very, very solid season. And uh, I, you know, that was obviously tonight w- was just awesome. Like that's mm-hmm. just that that was a, a really, really solid performance. And again, like that whole top line was just really effective. And then like we can just move into the other lines if you want. I mean, uh there first off fourth line was like the most fun line ever. That was just like Can, all the like,
0: <laughs> what I, I just want to, you want to go to the fourth line? Cause I, I have another one, uh, yeah. another thing for you. So get this, the Corsi four percentage for the fourth line in this game was 14.29%. <laughs> they had one shot attempt for and six shot attempts against that. Even strength when they're on the ice 14%, their expected goals four percentage in this game despite only having one shot attempt for was 67% because you know what that one That's shot good. attempt for was. It was the Brian Elliott turnover to Joe Voleno finding Elmer Soderblom wide open Dude. in front of the net. So Dude. despite getting outshot outshot attempted six to one, they had a better quality <laughs> shot attempt percentage because of the fact that that one shot was a goal. Isn't I that just hilarious? I love it.
1: I love You'll it. Love to see the uh, well, it's it's that was just optically like going into the night. That was just the line that a lot of people are looking at. Like that's gonna be a really really fun line, uh, because it had like Berger and Veleno and Soderblom like that. Really that's, young. That's just such a fun young up and coming line. I would love to see that be the fourth line for uh for for other games i i obviously you know like you said they got out shot if it doesn't work it doesn't end up working for the long haul but i mean it's fun it's fun to see all those names written down next to each other on a piece of paper that's yeah. for sure but uh I, I i more so even like elmer specifically obviously the the play you talked about but uh he is f- like more and more just showing how effective he can be on the defensive side of the puck like just poke check city and it's just because he's just so big and when that is like heading directly like head on at you you just like don't know what to do and he puts his arms out and then he gets even bigger like it's just it's one of those things that an intangible and it's what makes him so unique and and special and it's very very cool to see him just like especially going into the corners like he he's getting a lot more effective and and there's more and more poke checks and takeaways and intercepting passes and whatever from him lately. Um yeah, and, and, but yeah, that fourth line was fun.
0: That and you talk about Elmer specifically, all the advanced statistics back you up in that except for Corsi, uh if you're talking relative. Uh Re, Corsi relative is the only one that reflects negatively on him, which again is shot attempts. So yeah. relative to when he's on the ice, the Red Wings generated more shot attempts for when he was off the ice. But then when you go in deeper and you start adding more and more layers to it. So if you go to Fenwick, and which Fenwick removes blocked shots out of the equation, now he is a positive four percent. If you go to shot just plain shots, four percentage, like just pucks that made it to the net, Elmer Soderblom was a positive set or 29.76%. Now granted that's three shots to one, not a great ratio. But then you go to expected goals, 4 percentage, which is the quality of the shot attempts taken. He's a positive 22% in this game. And again, not on a lot of shot attempts. There weren't a lot of shot attempts because he didn't get a lot of ice time. But you know, he when he's out there, he, he is actually having a positive impact. That's what the point of the relative statistic is, is to show when he's on the ice, what is the team doing and what is the team not doing. And the team produces more quality sh- sh- scoring attempts or Shooting attempts, rather, when he's on the ice. At least in this instance, in this game, but it's something that we have seen since coming off of injury slash Grand Rapids stint. Is that he has kind of somehow, despite being hurt, is playing a little bit more defensively responsible, and it's showing in the offensive zone. And obviously, you've got a goal in this one because Brian Elliott, he's going to want that one back. But you know, it's nice to see.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I I just continue to be impressed. Like it, it's almost. Like you can see him like developing and and growing on the ice and uh yeah on the defensive side of things especially it's just I, I think it's becoming more and more apparent it's really cool to see yeah
0: absolutely uh we got to go to another break when we come back we'll wrap up this conversation we still got to talk about a couple other forward lines I want to give uh, some kudos to some defensemen who I thought played well spoiler one of them is Philip Ronick. um and then obviously we got to talk about Vili Huso, of course oh and hockey stick so stay tuned lockdown Red Wings. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every single state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell you tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Uh, Scotty, you have a... Like a love story, you want to give out about Pew Suter. You were talking about it in the pregame, that <laughs> you're just absolutely in love with this man. I had no
1: clue where you were going with that. I was like, what on earth is this dude talking about? <laughs> um, no, I I thought that the second line was just something else that I wanted to to bring up. And yeah, I mean, Suter had a phenomenal game. I, I thought that he was he was incredible in this one. Honestly. And just, I I wanted to just highlight that second line as a whole because I I think that he had a lot of the reason to do with that. And I think there was at one point in the season where we were early on and and whatnot that we were legitimately talking about, like, Suter's role on the team going forward. And people were talking about, like, oh, he might be, like, the extra skater and be, like, healthy. And obviously this is one game and and whatnot. But really, uh, I, I think that they have far bigger issues going forward than Pew suter as it stands right now, and I think that he's had some pretty impressive games of late.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I completely agree with you, but I feel like the only line that really didn't pop out to me was technically the second line of Cop Raymond, and Ernie. They are technically the second line, um, but that third line, uh, the Pew suter Oscar Sundquist, and Kubelik. Oh, uh, technically
1: the second yeah. by, like, time Technically on ice Technically,
0: on depth chart-wise, Cop's sure. line was the second line. We've been saying that. Uh, Suter was a second line, but they played like they're the second line in this game. That's for danger. Um, but I mean, I think it's kind of embarrassing for them, but the only thing noticeable that I could say that cops line did out there was Adam Ernie's turnover to tie the game in the second period. After we had just, the Red Wings had just scored to take the lead. That was a brutal turnover. And obviously that's going to be one that they want back. But I mean, outside of that, I, I, again, offensively, I thought the forwards as a core played really, really well in this game, and I was it was really nice to see and really nice to see in person. I'm very happy that I win. Although I was, I'll be honest, going into that, going into the arena, I was a little like, I don't know, man, six straight games now. You're gonna play Tampa Bay, but man, they pumped them uh, defensively. Scotty, is there anyone that stood out to you that you were just like? Dang, they played well in this game.
1: Well, I mean, I think the one you alluded to earlier is like a really place to start with, with Hironik. But um, I thought Moritz Sider looked great. I know that that's like, I don't know, maybe not like a super uh, clickbaity thing these days just because he's the best defenseman on the team. But I thought Sider really stood out uh, specifically. And then, yeah, Hironik just stays hot, man. Like he's just, he has figured out his role. He has figured out how to be an effective defenseman in this league and and he is just firing on all cylinders obviously motto was good you know the goal that that he had was beautiful positioning that that he uh took advantage of there um yeah i mean it was a uh, it was like an impressive performance really all around man
0: yeah i, I still like jake Wolman a lot i think he's he's really pe- sure. uh, picked up his pace of play since getting a little bit of an increased role on the line um he had the second most ice time at even strength in this game. Uh, Phil pronick and Jake Wollman as a pair led the team in ice time and even strength with 16 minutes and 16 seconds and 16 minutes and 10 seconds respectively. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of expectation to put on a, you know, a defenseman, but he was great. You know, he had an expected goals for percentage of 72.92% and relative relative Scotty. Jake Wolman had a percentage of 17.72. So when he was on the ice, they generated 17% more offensive scoring chances than when he was off the ice. I mean, he just he really shows, like I said, he shows flashes. He's still pretty inconsistent. Like the entire like he'll go through moments in the game where you're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, that was nice. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, that was nice. Like, that's not the ride of Jake Wolman right now, like an early Philip Peronic. Um, but I've I like him a lot as a piece who could still figure it out. Uh, ben Chirac I actually thought had a pretty dang good game. I, I think Ben Chirac and Moritz Sider together actually had a good game for once too, um, mostly because it was a very physical game and they flexed that physicality a lot in this game. This game got chippy, but they were both uh, they were both standing up the players and you know throwing their weight around a little bit, which was really nice to see.
1: Yeah, well, it's needed. I mean, we've talked about that during the on, on a couple of games um, during this kind of losing streak and this downward stretch here, uh, where the team has just been. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if bullied is too dramatic, but they've just been out physical, and so yeah, it was nice to see. It's nice to see it get a little chippy and not get, like, out of hand in the sense that, you know, it got chippy and then we were like, oh my goodness, please stop because we're getting pummeled. Like, actually, you know, getting getting chippy and, uh, and holding your own, I guess I'll say, was good to see, yeah.
0: Yeah, there were only four players on the Red Wings that didn't have an expected goals for percentage over 50% in this game. That's... That's how you know you played a good game, and you played it against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The team as a whole came away with an expected goal's 4 percentage of 58.5. If you look at Corsi, which is just pure shot attempt value, then Tampa took away the edge. But quality of those shot attempts was you, right wings. Hey,
1: man, like th- this is a game that the first time you played them, you, you barely held on for dear life. You held on at the end <sighs> of the game and went home with a victory. And now the second time you punched them in the mouth. Like you really took it to this team for 50, 60 minutes and and just grinded out a victory. It was uh the, the fact that this is game two, you know, and, and upward trajectory, I guess, uh, for the sake of that, it was really nice to see.
0: How about both of Dylan Larkin's goals? Uh, being sharp angle goals. That was the second one was
1: crazy.
0: Dude, I I could not believe because I was actually um I was on the end where they shot twice. So I got I saw that go in and I nobody reacted. Like it was a delayed response because people didn't think it went in. Yeah, he just
1: like he just (laughs) Yeah. But he's made like
0: he's made such a almost a patent out of that. Like that sharp angle goal from that those left boards. He just I know the first one was really nice too because David Perron Get a nice little drop pass. That was actually an example of a great break-in. I'm watching, actually watching the replay right now as we're recording this, and it was a nice pass across. And then David Perron breaks down the wing. He finds Dylan Larkin breaking down towards the middle. Yeah, just buries it. That is a great shot by Larkin. Obviously, Auli Mata got his third of the season, finding down low, or I think you few suitor, right? Found him from behind the net. Michael Rasmussen got two. A nice deflection, I believe, was his goal. And then he had an empty netter as well. I do want to point out the selflessness. Because Larkin could have gotten his hat trick two times with the empty net. One, he was breaking up the middle and could have shot it from center ice, but saw David Perron had a better angle
1: right, and yeah. fed it
0: to Perron just to make sure they sealed it. And then later, when Michael Rasmussen was free and away, Michael Rasmussen slowed down and looked behind him for Larkin. And Larkin just went like this. He waved yeah. for and was like, just bury it. So the selflessness on not just Larkin, but Rasmussen part two, I just that warms my heart. Like seeing... The players, like, it's not about my hat trick. It's about winning this hockey game. Like, they didn't care about padding the stat sheet. They just wanted to win. Like, that's a really, that's a small detail to notice, but it it speaks volumes about where the team is at in mindset. It's not about the individual scoring goals. It's about the team winning games. And that I I just, I appreciate the hell out of. Couldn't agree more. I miss any goal scores. I think, I mean, Rasmussen 2, Larkin 2, Mata, Perron. I don't think so. It's only, I feel like that's only six. Two, four, six. Who scored? Who am I forgetting? Oh, no,
1: Soderblom. Oh, yeah, Soderblom.
0: We already that. talked about that, though. Yeah, I'm really bad at remembering things. It's just how I am. Uh, Vili Huso, I thought, played really well in this game, too. He did end up with a negative goal saved above expected because that fourth goal, I will admittedly say, was pretty weak. He should have had that one. Who was, yeah. Uh, But he still faced 38 shots in this game. I, he put, gave them a chance to win against a really good hockey team. I thought outside of that one goal, he was on, he was on top of his game.
1: He's two and zero against the Tampa Bay Lightning this year.
0: Yeah. Can't can't complain too much. <laughs> yeah, um, nah, I'm
1: not sure if we can really find too many too many uh, holes to poke in that. Yeah,
0: and just like that, guys, the Red Wings are fourth in the Atlantic Division again. I am kind of surprised, honestly, in the six game losing streak. I was like, I'm not going to look at the standings. I don't I don't want to do that to myself. Look,
1: man, what do we say? Like th- this, this, these next few weeks are going to tell a lot. Like if we can get into mid January with with Burt and Fabry and you know Verona will be back hopefully soon relatively soon um if we can just like I know six game losing streak is not exactly keeping your head above water but if we can just maintain just like just staying afloat and then roll into you know mid January and hopefully through then the end of the season with a with a healthy squad I mean you know you're, you're setting yourself up pretty nicely there we just need to not turn around and lose six more after
0: this game. Well, and I mean, you look at the games, you look at the games that they won and the games that they've lost. Right. So the separation, they're fourth in the Atlantic division, but the separation is starting to be there. The, the 41 points is the Tampa Bay lightning. You're fourth at 35. So it's like last year where the top and the bottom half of the division are really starting to separate. So like always, like we've always been saying Red Wings, only opportunity is the wild card. But while you're sitting fourth in the Atlantic division, you're, Three points out of the second wild card, which the New York Islanders currently have. So your, your blessing and your curse in this situation is your overtime losses. You have the most overtime losses in the NHL. You have seven overtime losses, and there's sp- several teams with six, but you you have the most tied with the Philadelphia Flyers for, with seven overtime losses in the NHL. And that's a blessing and a curse because, one, it means when you lose games, you lose in overtime which is great because you're getting a point, but it also means that you're not winning those games, and those extra points could go a long way. So that's something that we spoke about, Scotty, early in the season that this Red Wings team, like if you're going to lose games, get a point. But I think the mindset of that was more about like, you know, losing games where you shouldn't have won in the first place, kind of like the game against Washington. Instead, a lot of these losses are like they blew the lead. And they should have had a second point. So they not right.
1: You learn uh, you learn very quickly when. Well, I guess just when your expectations for the team change that uh, not all one point games are the same.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's like, okay. so you have seven extra points because you lost in overtime rather than regulation. So you have 35 points. The Tampa Bay Lightning have 41 points. And that's because they only have one overtime loss and they have 20 wins. You only have, the Red Wings only have 14 wins. So Tampa Bay Lightning have six more regulation wins because instead of losing games in overtime, they just win. win. Yeah. And like, I'm not trying to say that the Red Wings, the Red Wings aren't the Tampa Bay Lightning, but that's, that's the bar that the Red Wings still have to pass. You know, they have to learn to win those games and not lose in overtime. So while it's, you know, you know, we're still seeing that progression in the end, I guess is where I'm trying to go with this. For sure. Still a work in progress. Um, let's talk about this hockey stick. Let's. So, as I said earlier, this is a dominant Kubalik League game-used hockey stick. It is not autographed. There is not a certificate of authenticity with it. But Matt Lutz, who is the uh, Authentics Manager at Hockey Town Authentics inside Little Caesarina's team store, hooked me up with this six stick to give away to you fine listeners. Um, I'm trying not to get tangled up in my headphones here. And, you know... I made it down to the arena today. I think it's a little bit short notice to do it for Christmas, a Christmas giveaway. So let's try and shoot for New Year's Day giveaway. A, a New Year, New Hockey Stick giveaway. We'll Love come it. up. We'll, we'll workshop the name. Um, <laughs> we still don't have the fine details worked out. So look for a tweet within the next couple of days from us with the official rules.
1: It's a nice stick, though. Yeah, it is. It's sick.
0: I'm a righty, though, so I couldn't keep it. But anyways, one of you lucky fans is going to get it. Uh, Any final thoughts, Scotty? We ball. Absolutely ball. Um, We'll be back on Friday with a new episode, so stay tuned to Lockdown Red Wings. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.